What is up, everybody? My name is Brandon First, a.k.a. First Report, representing the ESBC Gambling Podcast Network. It is Sunday, June 28th, 2020, and for the first time all summer, we officially have uh, real baseball to talk about, or at least uh, Major League Baseball, and we have somewhat of a plan. It's been agreed upon. Um, there are definitely still hurdles that need to be cleared. But as of the recording, um, we're about three days away from um, what will turn into spring training 2.0. Will be a little different than obviously real spring training. It will be mainly in the um, cities or at least in the regions of the uh, each team. Um, I know Chicago. I, I heard read something about the Cubs where half will be at Wrigley and then the other half might be up the road in South Bend. Um, but for the most part, um, it, it will not be uh, grapefruit, uh, cactus league type stuff. It'll be uh, together with their teams and their prospects. And there doesn't seem to be any indication that there will be uh, teams going up against each other. It's going to be a lot of intra-squad games. Um, maybe a single A team could put something together, something like that, but I think you will see a lot of uh, intra-squad games over the next couple weeks as everyone gets ready to get ready for what is going to turn into a sprint. Baseball is the ultimate marathon of 162 games. They've taken that off the table and turned this into a 60-game sprint. And when we do get ready to roll, we have to be ready to make money right away because like we've talked about, we are in a recession. This podcast, if you follow the rules, is a recession-free zone, but everywhere outside of this podcast is in a recession. So we need to make money immediately. Very similar to how these teams are feeling about their season. That's how we have to feel about betting when we get rolling again. We have to get off to a quick start. And the best way to do that is to do your research. Is rule number two of the podcast is to do your research. All off-season, all, all uh, pretty much since quarantine started, actually, I believe um, the, the Monday of the shutdown, if you will, was the first day of the team reports. And I broke down every single team for at least 20 minutes, some more, gave you betting angles to go with, did that all off-season, and it's all culminated in really this podcast. This is the podcast that has all the betting angles that I'm looking for this season and all the betting angles that you need to look for in what is going to be, full disclosure, a very difficult season to bet. This has never happened again. And look, if you're watching this podcast or you're listening to this podcast and you remember and you survived the 1919 uh, Spanish flu pandemic, then okay, give me a call, let me know what needs to be done. But I highly doubt there's anybody out there that's been able, uh, that was living through that and has lived through this, or at least was um, of, of betting age or of age to remember what it was like at the time. So we're in uncharted territory, but there are things that we can go and look and find. And the first thing that we need to do is we need to understand what this season will entail. And what this season is going to entail is a lot of first, a lot of history, really. Um, I read an article the other day talking about what happens um, with some of these 
sacred records of, you know, Bob Gibson having the lowest ERA or um, hitting 400. What if, what if one of these guys in a 60-game schedule hits over 400? Does that stand? What if someone breaks Bob Gibson's ERA season ERA record? Does that stand? And I, I've heard, obviously, both ways, heard it go both ways, and I think that would be an incredible story for baseball. I think baseball would want something like that to happen. Might not be the greatest thing for the statisticians to have to deal with, but baseball as a whole, that would be a great little story to deal with if someone hits. Because look, if you go 60 games or you know 55 games um, and you hit 400, that's still incredibly, uh, incredibly difficult to do. Now it's not Ted Williams, it's not Tony Gwynn hitting 394 in 94, but it is still very incredible. I still don't think it'll happen. I don't think anyone's gonna get near Gibson's record, but. Those are things that we have to kind of look at. And the first, uh, one of the main things is we look back in history. Obviously, baseball, Major League Baseball has been around since uh, the 1870s. Now, the 1870s, 1880s, 1890s, even up until like the 1940s, it was a, a lot of weird stuff going on in baseball. Um, it was a lot of profiteering not a whole lot of teams that really wanted to compete and even as early as the 1870s and 1880s no one really knows what was considered a major league and what wasn't so this is more than likely now at least since 1900 this will be the shortest season ever we did have up until um i believe the 19 yeah the 1961 season was the first year they went from 144 games to 162 as early or as recent as 1995, because of the labor dispute, um, a, a completed season, the shortest ever, was 144. And that was uh, in 1995. That's only, so that's 89% of the regular season when you play 144 compared to 162. You only lose 11% of games. That is not a huge amount. Now, this year, we go to 60 games. That is 65% of the season taken away from us. By contrast, it's pretty much the same as an NFL team playing six games as opposed to 16. There is so much craziness that can happen at the 60 game mark, or in 60 games. Um, we look back to last year, and I've talked about it on podcasts prior to this, but it is worth remembering that at the 60 game mark last year in the National League, both the Cardinals and the Nationals, the NLCS, neither of those teams were in the playoffs, all right, if it ended at 60 games. The second best team to the Dodgers at the, uh, excuse me, at the 60 game mark last year was the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies didn't even make the playoffs when it was all said and done. So 102 games after that 60 game mark, a lot of things can and would have happened, but that all goes out the window. It is now a 60-game schedule. It is a sprint. And that is something that we have to be ready for. And one of the ways that we're going to profit off this is to find angles that teams and managers are, are giving us. And when we look at that, the schedule, first and foremost, is for, uh, there are going to be 60 games, obviously. 40 games are in your division. So there's five teams in, your divi in each division. Obviously, you play the other four in your division 10 times. Then 
you will play the uh, the other league's division uh, 20 times total. So what it will come down to is your four divisional opponents you will play 10 times during the season, and they'll be spread out. And then, now if you're the National League West, you will play the American League West, those five teams, four times to get to the 20. And then obviously the Central the American and National League, and then the East American National League. So, first thing that jumps out to me is the Central is pretty much wide open. Both divisions, uh, the Twins obviously probably have a have the best chance of anyone to win the division, but you could make a case for seven of the ten teams to win their respective divisions, and that is rather intriguing because you'll have these seven teams that essentially are going to beat up on each other um obviously if one team is really or er, er, separates itself they will be better but i think a lot of it's going to be how do you play against the other three teams and the other three teams are very very interesting when you have detroit kansas city and pittsburgh because there's a very good chance that these three teams could be literally at the bottom three of the worst five teams on paper or the three that I just mentioned. They're going to be going up against seven other teams that all have a real good shot. So I think whichever of the top seven teams plays well against those bot plays the best against those bottom three teams is going to do enough. Now, we look at last year's um, divisional records. And the first thing is the Indians. 18 and 1 against the Detroit Tigers. It is very hard to go 18 and 1 against any team anytime in baseball. We are going to use the return to the mean and figure that if the, the Indians and the Tigers are going to play 10 games, there is no way that the Indians win 10 or even 9 games again. And I'm going to tell you why. The Tigers have on a normal season have 20 teams throughout the year that they have to game plan for. This year, they only have nine different teams on their schedule. And they know out of the four divisional opponents they have, they have to be better than the, they have to be better against the Indians. So I think they end up going three and seven, four and six, which is still not great, but we're going to make money off of that because Vegas is going to look at last year's stats and go, okay, the Tigers, or Tigers lost to the Indians 18 out of 19 times last year. They're going to only win one or two games. We can find two or three games throughout that that we're going to be able to find the Tigers to cover or expect the Tigers to cover. And that's how we're going to make money. By Vegas, knowing what Vegas is doing and understanding that they're wrong and doing the right thing ourselves. And that's definitely one of them is the return to the mean principle. We'll take it a little bit different. Uh, we'll take it a little bit further when we go to the West, the National League West pairings. We look at the Rockies and the Dodgers. Last year, the Dodgers went 15 and four against the Rockies. Now look, Rockies had a down year. Dodgers probably obviously didn't, uh, didn't win the pennant, but they were, throughout the most of the year, the best team in the National League. Now we have 10 games between these two teams. Five, five in Colorado, five in LA, obviously. I expect, once again, Bud Black, I think the Rockies are going to be better, just regardless. 
Because of the return to the mean, I think the Rockies had a down year last year. I think they come back to that. And I think the Dodgers come back down to earth. It just, it's habit. When you only play 60 games, the Dodgers, you see their their starts in the first 60 games, the last three or four years, they're, they're able to be caught if that's the case because they don't start very quickly. So I expect the Rockies to take three, four, maybe five games from the Dodgers, maybe split that season series. I could see the Rockies making maybe a playoff push, who knows? But at the end of the day, just in this season series, we're gonna make money off three or four of those games that Vegas isn't expecting the Rockies to win because of what happened last year. We are going to do that ourselves. And really, honestly, the schedule, we know who is going to play each other the amount of times and the Washington Nationals and the New York Yankees know they're going to start the season um, it was pretty much said that that is the quasi opening day I believe it'll be on ESPN probably a prime time standalone game um, but other than that we don't know who where uh, and when the rest of the schedule will shape out but there's going to be uh, an early t advantage to whichever team has an early, uh, an easy early schedule, and I think it's mainly going to be in the AL center in the central pairing. I think whichever team out of the first first three, um, out of the first five series, if one team can get three series against those three teams, get that out of the way right away, out of the first five series, if that makes sense, I think they have a chance to start. Who knows? 12 and 6 something like that and they're already pretty much halfway home at that point and they probably got a two or three three game lead so we're really going to see who has an early season um start or who is an easy early season start and i think they're immediately going to have the advantage and i like i said i believe it's going to be in that central pairing because of those three um just really bad teams it's the only divisional pairing where they really have three of the worst teams in one pairing. Moving on to the, I guess, behind the scenes stuff. And that is pretty much Major League Baseball dropping the, the COVID dossier on everything that baseball players and baseball teams and organizations and facilities need to adhere to um, for Major League Baseball to continue. And it's not just wear a mask here. It's incredibly comprehensive. Uh, certain things that didn't even dawn on me, and one of them is the pitchers bringing a wet rag to the mound. And instead of going to their mouth like they almost always do, they go to the wet rag. And that's something that is interesting. Obviously, you know why, or we know why they're doing it. You, you're not supposed to touch your face, let alone your, your mouth or your tongue. Um, but for baseball pitchers, that is, that's, that's second nature. That is incredible. That's part of the muscle memory of being a pitcher. So we'll see how that goes. It's, it'll be interesting to see how it's enforced. I don't think anything crazy will go in terms of enforcement. I know no sunflower seeds aren't allowed, no spitting. I'm sure that, you know, players won't have that stuff, but no spitting in terms of just, just having extra saliva. I mean, what are you going to? you throw a guy out because he hawked a loot I mean I understand the reasoning why but we're talking about ball players here and it's just second nature for these guys to just spit and touch themselves it's just that's just what it is to be a baseball player so there are things that 
And then there are also comprehensive diagrams, excuse me, um, that Major League Baseball put out. Not only diagramming where you um, stand maybe in a press conference or in the clubhouse or or in pregame warmups, but even to the point of how you take infield, how you take batting practice. So it is very in-depth and it really doesn't leave a whole lot of gray area. A lot of the feedback from the players is they like it. It's a lot to adhere to, but they know exactly what they need to do. There's no gray area to it. They're fans of that. So most seasons, we certain teams will have X factors. No one knows who's the biggest X factor of all, obviously. But every team will have that player who's a prospect that's up and coming, um, that maybe makes a run, uh, comes up in July and has a great second half and spurs the team onto the pennant. Or there's, you know, a, a veteran who, who has a chip on his shoulder coming back from injury or something like that. Those could be the X factors that maybe we're looking for. Well, I got a different X factor for you. I've never, ever thought this could be an X factor, but I do think it will be the biggest X factor, and I think it's the team's individual's training staff. There's going to be a lot of discipline and self-discipline that's going to be needed to survive this. And, and when I say survive this, I don't, that's probably a bad choice of words. I don't literally mean survive the um, survive it in terms of life. I mean, survive it in terms of finishing the season healthy. And not only just COVID, obviously we're going to see positive tests. That's pretty obvious with what we've seen in the last three weeks with the protests going on and then the opening. You know, people being out and about, either way, it's just going to happen. It's not the end of the world for these guys. Um, very, very small percentages will have adverse effects, but still they can't play, obviously, and spread it. So they will have to quarantine for two weeks, uh, and they can't come back until they produce at least two negative tests. So what teams handle that? You know, it, 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 it's all good if you're uh, the Braves. And this is, you know, not throwing them under the bus or anything, but the Braves have a lot of talent. But what happens if Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, Juan Camargo, uh, Johan Camargo, excuse me, um, Dansby Swanson and Mike Soroka, maybe maybe they uh, played a game of poker and didn't, didn't adhere to what needed to be done and all five of them are tested. Or all, all five of them are tested and it's positive. You just lost your five best players and well, I didn't name Freddie Freeman, but I'll let them ha still have him. But even then, that's devastating. So are these teams going to be able to keep their, not only their players on the field, but more importantly, their star players? That's gonna be very, very important. And it's gonna be very interesting to find out. Now, look, I wish I could tell you I'm the insider on the training staff, I'm not. But we can look um, to the past to maybe find some situations that, oh, okay, that training staff might leave a bit to be desired or something like that. A lot of this is going to be, um, we're finding the bad one as opposed to the good one because it's very similar to like a, an umpire or an offensive lineman. If you don't know the offensive lineman's name or if you don't know the umpire's name, that's probably a good thing. You usually don't have the umpire offensive line um, person being brought up by name unless it's them doing something badly. So these training staffs, unless they're doing something badly or or having their players hurt a lot like the Yankees, 
and the Red Sox, um, they, those are the ones that I look at, and I think those are the teams that I'm not. I'm going to avoid betting. Um, definitely futures, because I think the Yankees, even though the delayed start has helped them get healthy, I think the Yankees have proven that just them staying healthy is the hard part. Getting healthy, okay, they got some help this year. But staying healthy, that's the real problem. Not even COVID-related. I mean, we're talking about guys like Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton who, who sneeze too hard and they're out for the year. And I'm not making this stuff up. I mean, we still don't really know if these guys are coming back. And they've had three months to get ready. Um, depth is going to be a key on that note. Like I said, people are going to get hurt. Players are going to have positive tests. The teams that are able to deal with that and... And obviously, look, you're going to hope that luck is a part of it. You hope that if certain guys do get hurt, they're not the the top guys like I, I named for the hypothetical Braves. Or, you know, um, you hope that it's maybe a reliever, um, a, a back-end rotation guy, maybe a prospect. Spread out that stuff, you know. We talk about soft tissue injuries in sports a lot, and it's a lot of it's the beginning of the year. Um, and it's normally not the end of the world. You'll see maybe the, f the last two weeks of spring training, a lot of guys will, will get hurt and end up missing the first two weeks of the regular season or the first month of the season. Not really that big of a deal. Four to six weeks, it's a marathon, blah, blah, blah. Not this time. You miss four to six weeks in this, and your season's over. So that strained oblique that maybe takes, in all honesty, a full two months to really get stretched out and feel healthy, that's the season-ending uh, injury now. And a strained oblique is probably going to happen to every single team probably twice over. So how do teams deal with not the COVID and not the, you know, just overall of dealing with rosters, but these guys that normally we deal uh, the the strained obliques, okay, we'll see you in May. Well, guess what? We'll see you next March because your season's done. And believe me, those guys are not coming back for a playoff push. Um, if they do, you know, because um, the playoffs are going to last almost as long as the as the regular season, the way MLB wants to spread these things out. And But you're not going to see a ton of these guys just be able to pick up the ball like we saw Kyle Schwerber a couple years back come off the DL and uh, play for the first time in like four months uh, in Game 7 of the World Series. You're not going to see that happen this year. So deep veteran teams with veteran managers immediately have an edge I think they'll have less. Uh, they'll need less time to get comfortable, and they'll also have a deep talent pool um, to dive into with a veteran manager who knows where to pick and how to place players. And the last thing I want to talk to you betting-wise is uh, futures bets. And this, I do want to put a little, um, uh, I guess, caveat onto this. Or I, I love futures bets. Uh, baseball futures bets for me are the most fun. And maybe not the easiest, but the easiest to prognosticate, um, at least at the beginning. I, I always feel super confident, and I'm usually pretty good with my futures bets, but I usually feel like, oh, I'm going to hit every single one. That doesn't really happen, but I always feel super confident about my future baseball bets. This year is a, is, is a little scary to me. A 60-game sample size, I talked about it earlier, with the Phillies being the second-best team in the National League, and the Nationals being, I think, 10 games under 500 at that point. That's such a different scenario than what we're used to. 
Um, 35% of the season is going to be played. But, as always, we are able to find gaps and we're able to find what I think will be value. Um, and I'm going to go through everybody who I think is going to win the division and then I'll give you the best value in that division. Because, look, let's be honest, we'll just start in the West. There is not a ton of value in the West because I expect the Dodgers and Astros to both win their division. Um, the Dodgers, absolutely no question. According to Odd Sharks, it is minus 1,000 for the Dodgers. There is zero value for that to happen. That's pretty much it. Uh, you got to bet $100 to win 10 Don't do that. Um, the Dodgers are probably going to win the West. Just stay away from the National League West. Now, in the American League West, the, the Houston Astros are minus 265, which uh, you got to bet 26. Uh, 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 you got to bet, and, and it's their favorite. Minus 265 gives them a favorite, according to Odd Sharks. So, the Angels jumped off at me, jumped out to me at plus 750. I like this pick because it's a shortened season and very few managers are going to be as probably prepared for that um, than Joe Madden. Joe Madden is kind of the evil, or not the evil, excuse me, uh, the mad scientist. He's always got some weird thing, a weird reaction to a rule, and it usually always works. They also added Anthony Rendon. They have the best player in baseball in Mike Trout. And with a smaller uh, season and a larger active roster with no player restrictions to start the first of the uh, start the first of the year, I think that bodes perfectly for the Angels. I think everything that's going on right now is perfect, and it lines up for the Angels to be a dark horse in the West. And they're plus seven fifty. I love that value. I think you should too. Moving to the East. Um, out of the East, I expect the Yankees and the Braves to win their divisions. In the American League East, the Bronx Bombers are minus 265, uh, similar to the Astros, uh, to win the AL East. Not a ton of value there. I'm, I'll tell you in a minute where I'm going to go with the AL East. But I do see a ton of value with the Braves. The Braves are plus 180. Uh, nobody in the national league east is in the negative so it's obviously a wide open uh, everybody outside the marlins probably has a chance to win this division i just think the braves after what happened last year in terms of getting absolutely blown out in game five a team that's young but old at the same time um you know ronald Acuna. this is coming up on his fourth year Ozzy Albies, fourth year. These guys have already signed contract extensions. They don't have to worry about that. Still have guys like Cole Hamels that is going to join and I think be really good in a 60-game season. Um, we'll also see guys like Mike Soroka, Max Freed, and the bullpen improved towards the end of the year. I think this is one of the best values on the board with the Braves at plus 180. I expect the Braves to not only win the division, I think the Braves have the most value as well at plus 11,000 to win the World Series. I think they could and are my dark horse pick to win the World Series. We'll get to my World Series pick at a, for uh, a podcast later on um, before the season begins. But the Braves at plus 180, that's a huge value pick for me. In the American League East, I got two other value picks for you. One's a little crazier. 
um, but obviously more value, that's how we do it. And then the other's a little safe, but let's start with the crazy one. And all off season, doing my research, I was really, really impressed with what I saw from the Toronto Blue Jays. They are plus 2,500, and I don't think the Blue Jays can win the division, but at plus 2,500 in a shortened season with young talent that they have with Vlad Jr., Kavon Biggio, Bo Bichette, this is a dark horse team, and at plus 2,500, which equates pretty much to the better saying they have a 4% chance. Um, that's what plus 2,500 means. A 4% chance to win the division. I think they have the better... I think they got about a 15% chance of winning this division. Remember, it's 60 games. Everybody's got to... I mean, even the, even the Orioles. I mean, the Orioles in a 162-game season or even a 144-game season have less than a 1% chance of making the playoffs. In a 60-game season, they might be sniffing 2%. All right? And that's a team that's still two or three years away from just being competitive. The Blue Jays are much better. And at plus 2,500, that's value there. It is a bit of a stretch, though. The one that's not a stretch and the one that I'm actually going to bet the NL East is the Tampa Bay Rays for a multitude of reasons. And it's plus 450, ton of value there. And it's also because of Kevin Cash. Okay, Kevin Cash is Joe Madden Jr., if you will, or, you know, obviously he's uh, Joe Madden got his managerial start in Tampa Bay and really kind of showed his um, showed how good he could be. Well, Kevin Cash has been really the leader in odd um, and revolutionary stuff. The bullpen game four years ago was pretty much just Tampa. Now? 40, 50, 60% of the teams uh, maybe not fully employ it like the way Tampa does, but they use it multiple times throughout the year, and it's used as a strategic resource um, for roster management. That was Kevin Cash for the most part. I mean, he wasn't the first person ever to think of it, but he was, I guess, you know, the one that kind of perfected it. He's somebody that I, I'm looking at, what is he going to do to combat these kind of weird situations of even... Extra, uh, extra innings, you got a guy on second right away. Or you know, with just 60 games, what is he going to do with his rotation? Does he go to a three-man rotation early on? Who knows? Kevin Cash is kind of that, that mad scientist like Joe Madden. But I think uh, Kevin Cash has a little bit more talent and a better team suited for him in Tampa Bay. Watch out for the Rays. I, I think the Yankees will win the division, but my bet, because of the value, remember, I'm not here to, I'm not here to bet ten dollars or uh, to bet twenty six dollars to win ten. Okay, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to bet ten to win forty five, and that's what, or a hundred to win four fifty. That's what I am doing with the with the raise in this situation, and I'd rather go down swinging that way than twenty six fifty to win ten. And let's move to the toughest division to prognosticate it is the central pairing so we'll start with the national league oh, i'm sorry let's start with the american league and i believe with the universal dh the minnesota twins now don't have to worry about going to national league parks and figuring out what they're going to do um with their uh losing a, another bat 
This is a powerful team that added Josh Donaldson as well. They also added Kenta Maeda, which is going to be huge. I, ex I think they have the best chance of any team um, to win this division. I still think it is wide open. But at minus 134, not a ton of value there. So let me tell you my American League Central value pick, and it's the Chicago White Sox. I think they are pretty much the Toronto Blue Jays, what I just talked about, but a year or two ahead. They have um, obviously smaller numbers at plus 300, but still, there's money there on you know $100 to win 300. That's value. If Chicago can get off to a quick start, and if they can get the young, you know, the, the, um, uh, if Jose Abreu can continue to do what he does, and if we could see Eloy Jimenez and some of these, uh, you know, Dylan Cease and, uh, Michael Kupchak, if they can get to the point where, and just progress, not be all stars or anything like that, but just take another step in their development, I do expect the White Sox to make a push in this division. And a big part of it is, is this team has the ability to beat up on... That's what they did so well last year. They beat up on bad teams. What I talked about earlier on the podcast, I there could be a chance that who wins these the central divisions or who beat up on the bad teams in those divisions best. And the White Sox did that best last year. So that will be my value pick um, for the American League Central is the Chicago White Sox. And uh, we, we look at the National League Central... I really, really like the Cincinnati Reds here. A lot of it is, like I talked about with the Twins, is the universal DH. They probably uh, benefited it more for, more than anybody because now they can put Eugenio Suarez, who's might be one of the best power hitting players in the game. Now you take a guy like him who just got a, done with shoulder surgery, coming off of shoulder surgery, you can either keep him in the DH or the first 30, 40 games, he can DH and uh, save that shoulder for this year. Or maybe for the rest of his career, this is what he does. And that helps him offensively even more. It's a very powerful team in a very small ballpark. But they also have three really good starters. Well, maybe not maybe not all three are really good. But as a whole, these three guys are really good foundation for what you want to do. And it's Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, and Luis Castillo. Trevor Bauer is going into a contract year. He's very vocal in terms of all, pretty much all offseason. It's time for him to put up a shut up. Um, he, he was very critical of the Astros last year. Uh, well, I guess this calendar year, but after the Astros scandal came out. He's got to show it now. Is he, is he going to kind of you know, put the money where the mouth is? Because he's got a big, big mouth. But I do like the, uh, the, the Cincinnati Reds at plus 280 to win the National League Central. And every year when I do these futures bets, I have what's called a $5 bet. And a $5 bet is a massive long shot. It's pretty much, I've been doing it the last four or five years. Haven't hit one yet, but I know I probably got another 10 years. If I keep, you know, just putting these $5, if I hit it once, it will make up for, it'll pay for it tenfold. So this year we'll let you in on my little secret you know most of these other places i haven't even got to this they hide behind their paywall and stuff like that i am giving you not only my picks to win the division but my value picks to win the division later in these podcasts we'll get to the who's who i think is going to win the pennant where the values that where the value is at and the same thing for the world series so i have you covered here but 
this might be one that, who knows, you, you'll probably shake your head and believe me, I would shake my head too. But take $5 and, and, and put it on the Detroit Tigers to win the American League Central. And I'm going to tell you why. San Diego Padres probably have the best prospect class in baseball. Um, and probably have the best pitching prospects. Uh, not a ton of hitting prospects. Mainly pitching prospects. But right behind them are the Detroit Tigers. And all three of these guys are, are ready to make, an, uh, make a difference right away. And I'm talking about Casey Mize. Matt Manning and Tariq Skubal. These three guys are ready to maybe not take that, you know, all-star step or, you know, have a have a breakout year kind of like Luis Castillo did last year. But if these all three of these guys can come in and and who knows? Maybe go out and all three of these guys put in ERAs at 4.2, 4.3 and and Miguel Cabrera has an okay year, and I mean, look, it's 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 a long shot, but it's plus ten thousand. Okay, five dollars. Do the math, folks. All right. And we also talk about a shortened season. This is probably the best chance I'm ever going to get on my five dollar bet. Okay. And these guys are going to get work because there are no, no uh, minor league season, at least not yet. I do expect later on. Um, a some sort of fall league now maybe not Arizona fall league because Arizona's kind of turned into a hot spot but maybe a, a, a I'm not sure a fall league of in a non hot spot um, where we see a lot of prospects who didn't get a chance to take live ABs this year um, where they actually do get a chance to do that so if you want if the Tigers want Casey Mize Matt Manning and Tariq Skubal to continue their development through live pitching, they're gonna have to pitch him in the major leagues. There's no other option. All right? So if these three guys, who knows? There's a lot of times, and I know I've said who knows about five times talking about this, but that's the beauty of this $5 bet is because in a 60 game season, crazy things can happen. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if the Tigers are 28 and 32, that could be, that could be huge for them. It's a team that only won 44 games last year, whatever it was, 50 games in a 162-game season, okay? So this team is looking at 25, 26, 27 games. They're aiming pretty low. If if this team is young and catches fire, gets off to a quick start, who knows, sneaks up on some people, we hit that $5 bet. We're feeling good. And like I said, I'm sure... Uh, most people are laughing at me right now, and that's fine. And I'll probably laugh at myself six, six months down the road, but it only cost me five bucks, and that's fine. And believe me, if you can't afford to make a $5 bet, you shouldn't be betting, all right? Plenty of other value out there, as I talked about. Believe me, I am not going to my grave on the Tigers plus 10,000. I am very, very bullish on the Braves, the Reds, and the Angels. Those are the three that I'm going to go run to uh, bet on as soon as it opens up as soon as we get an opportunity to really get after things those are the value picks that i am sharing with you and uh, i pretty much given you all the reason why I, I feel that way i can't wait to cash these tickets because i'm gonna hit two out of three i know that um pretty confident um if i hit the angels if if i can hit the angels as well at plus 750 that would be amazing but i'm very confident with the reds and braves i really do think those are pretty much shoe-ins with good value Folks, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to head to ecosystemsbusinessconcierge.com. 
to check out everything that we've ever put out. And I say we in terms of the podcast network, not just gambling uh, and sports. We have daily COVID tracker with Josh. We have um, pretty much weekly, bi-weekly, tri-weekly political podcast. And the best part about it is it's from both sides. On this podcast, the only political, um, I guess, thing that we care deeply about is the legalization of sports gambling nationwide, everywhere. That's the only thing that we feel strongly about on this podcast. So everything else, well, I mean, we also do believe in, you know, individual things. But as a whole, this podcast is about one thing, and it's about getting sports gambling legalized throughout the country. But we also do understand how important local politics are, not just in that sense, but in your everyday life. So we do cover things like that. We cover both sides. We have uh, Lauren Norris on, who is probably going to win city council in Irvine. Um, very liberal. And then a couple days later, we had Dr. Steve and um, Deb Polly, who, who lean heavy to the right. We have both sides of the story here. Um, it's all there for you. Head to ecosystemsbusinessconcierge.com. And that's not even the valuable picks that we've, we're talking about sports gambling, including every single team. I previewed every single team. So with this podcast and those 30 podcasts about every single Major League Baseball team, there's so much money to be made. You're welcome in advance. If you want to really help me out, head, head to our website. There are some areas where you can tip us. Uh, and then, you know, we don't hide behind a paywall. We are very transparent. We're out on Twitter telling you what our picks are. I put this stuff up, what, pretty much a whole month before the season starts. You're not going to hear places like that do that unless they, unless you pay $500 up front and then they'll tell you that they're actually 35 and 30. Ooh, well, I paid $500 to be average. Not here. You're getting great, great value picks for an even better value that's free. Folks, once again, thank you so much. My name is Brandon First, a.k.a. First Report, representing the ESBC Gambling Podcast Network. Can't wait to talk to you next week as we dive deeper into the Major League Baseball uh, betting scene. Take care, everybody. I will talk to you soon. You can bet on that. I'm the best there is.